Thank you, Seth. Great song selection this morning to prepare us for the preaching of the Word, which is going to be from Ephesians 6, verses 16 through 20. And this is what it says. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. This is the word of God. Thanks for coming. Please be seated. And while you're being seated, let me pray to begin. Father, I ask that you would please be kind and gracious in helping me this morning to preach the word rightly. And also, please, I pray that your Holy Spirit would do his work to make our ears attentive and give us ears to hear and hearts to receive the truth rightly. And Lord, give us the motivation, give us the want to walk in the truth. Lord, that doesn't come from us naturally. So we pray that you would be giving that to us daily. Lord, bless your church with your word and help us to learn how to more and more pray rightly. It's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen. Well, it being January means that we're going through the series on prayer. And for this month, I've chosen to use the acronym CAST, C-A-S-T, to help us to pray, to focus on four parts of prayer. The first week, a few weeks ago, was C about con- confession. And I said it is, it's right to come to God with our confessions first. Now, don't hear me wrongly. I'm not saying that unless you come with confession first and you're not actually praying right, because even in the Lord's Prayer, when the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples, and he says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses. That's where the confession comes in. It wasn't at the beginning. It was a little bit further down. So I'm not saying that you've got to start that way or else God's not happy. No, I'm just saying when you know that there's an offense against Almighty God, You should probably start with that in your prayers. And most of us aren't as sin-sensitive as we need to be, so I like to put that at the beginning when I can. The next letter was A, we learned last week, for adoration. And we learned that it just means to praise God, worship God. And I mentioned that a really great life hack for you, prayer hack if you want to call it that, is just to remember and read and learn again about who God is who he is, what he's like, what he's done, and that will create worship in your prayers. It's a, it's a hack that you can use to help you do this naturally. The third letter of cast is S, and that's where we are today for the word supplication. Supplication. Now, though the English word supplication or supplications only occurs, they only actually occur six times in the English Standard Version of the Bible. The Greek word it's translated from occurs 18 times in the New 
Testament. It's also translated, besides supplication, this Greek word that we get that from, it's also translated as the word petition, like in Luke 1.13 in the New American Standard Bible, when the angel Gabriel is speaking to Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, he says, don't be afraid, Zechariah, for your petition has been heard. Well, it's interesting because in the English Standard Version, it translated just as prayer. Your, your prayers have been heard. But it can also be rightly translated as petition. Um, it's also simply translated as prayer sometimes. Like in Romans 10.1, Paul says that brothers of my heart's desire in prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. Really, that word is petition or supplication. My request as it's also translated in the Old King James Version. One time, we find it in the Old King James Version, translated as request, in Philippians 1, 4, when he says, Always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my request with joy. So this Greek word, whether it gets translated as supplication, or petition, or request, or just prayer, like it's often translated too, the Greek word has the idea of praying for a specific felt need. It's a heartfelt request arising out of a deep personal sense of lack, either for yourself, for a loved one, on behalf of someone else sometimes as well. But I want to pose this to us because I was thinking about this. And I want you to think about it as well. For the Christian, what makes this way of praying different from these types of prayers in other religions? Or different from those who are just semi-religious? Or different from those who aren't really religious at all much, but still offer up prayers for someone or for something because here's the truth, this way of praying, supplication, I mean, think about it. Isn't it really the most common way we pray usually? It really is. When people even talk about prayer, mention prayer. Like for example, they might say, pray for my dad. He's had to go to the doctor for this or that. Okay, so that's a petition that their dad would get better, right? Or if somebody says something like this, please pray for my job situation. A lot of people are getting laid off at my work and I'm afraid I might be next. Pray for my job situation. Okay, isn't that a petition? Lord, I pray for my friend that he won't lose his job or that if he does that you will please provide for him in some other way. Aren't we asking something of God at that point? Or, please pray for our upcoming trip. Somebody might say that to you. Okay, what is that? Asking God for safety, for everything to go smoothly, right? This way of praying is really the most common way we pray. You probably spend far more time petitioning God for certain things than you do confessing your sins to God, than you do just adoring God for who he is, 
maybe even more than Thanksgiving, which we're going to focus on next week. This is the most common form of prayer that most everyone does. Whether they're Christian or non-Christian, or barely even religious at all, because people of every religion pray, and even people who aren't that religious still find themselves in prayer sometimes, and it's usually this kind of prayer, asking God for something. It's the most common form of prayer even that we do as Christians. Even in one of my favorite movies, It's a Wonderful Life. We watch it almost every Christmas. We missed last Christmas. Not this last one, but the one before that. We missed that one. That was the first in a long time. But you might even remember, there's a part in that movie. It's actually, you probably know it well because it's sort of one of the transitioning scenes in that movie. But George Bailey and his associate, you might remember Uncle Billy, they lose $8,000. Remember that? And it appears as though George has been embezzling money. And it appears as though George is going to get arrested. And he's, he's thinking, I'm going to go to jail. Well, you might remember, he finds himself in Martini's Bar, Christmas Eve night. And he's sitting there at the bar. And he pulls his, his fists up to his face. Remember that scene? And George Bailey's praying. He pulls his fists up to his face. And he begins to pray. And he says this, God, dear Father in heaven, and he, and he says this next, I'm not a praying man, but if you're up there, he doesn't even know. If you're up there and you can hear me, and then he offers a petition, show me the way. I'm at the end of my rope. Show me the way, God. That's what he says. Remember that scene? So even one of the most iconic characters of movies of Old, the past, the golden movies of that age even show a man in prayer who admittedly isn't a man of prayer and is not even sure that God's up there, but how does he pray? It's a petition. He asks, maybe this God, maybe? He asks him for help. He doesn't confess his sins. He doesn't praise God. He doesn't even thank him. He asks something of him. So, what I would keep talking about, how common this is. Well, since it's the most common way to pray, even for unbelievers and people of other religions, how can we be sure that we are doing it rightly? Since we pray this way more than we pray any other way, how can you and I be sure that we are making right supplications, petitioning God in the right way, requesting the right things from him in the right way. How can we be sure we're doing it right since so many people do it wrongly, like George Bailey? I know, in the movie, though, he sent Clarence and everything worked out fine. And every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. Remember that? So it worked out okay for that fictional character with really bad theology in that movie. Don't get your theology from It's a Wonderful Life. Get it from the Word of God. So that's where we're going to go. How do the people in the New Testament, since I told you this occurs 18 different times, how do they pray in the New Testament? What can we see? 
Because there's one thing that we see rightly when we see these 18 occurrences. We actually learn something about ourselves and we learn something about God when we pray this way. And we're actually even assuming something about ourselves and something about God when we pray this way, aren't we? We're assuming something about ourselves and about God. When, number one, that we're needy. We know and realize that we ourselves or others that we know and love, they're lacking something or we're lacking something. When we pray this way, we acknowledge, I'm needy. I don't have what I need. I'm not self-sufficient like you are. I'm needy. We're assuming that when we pray this way. In praying this way, we show also that we're dependent. We're dependent upon God as the provider of these good things that we're asking for. I'm needy. You can give these things. Third, it shows about us that we believe it's God who can actually give these things. Why else would we be petitioning him if we didn't believe he could actually do it? I don't ask for someone, something from someone who I know can't do it. I wouldn't go to one of my children and say, can you give me a million dollars? I know they don't have a million dollars. But when I pray to God and ask him for things that only you can fix this, only you can do this, only you can heal this person in this way, only you can get someone out of this, you can do it. I believe you can do it. So I'm coming to you asking that you would do it. See, this glorifies God when we petition God rightly. When we petition God rightly, it helps me see who I am in this connection. I'm needy. I'm not self-sufficient. You are all-sufficient, and you can do it, and I believe you can do it. And that glorifies God when we do this rightly. So we're going to look at how to do this rightly. We don't go to movies. We don't go to pop culture. We go to the Word of God. And so that's what I want to do. I want to go to these 18 occurrences, and I want to show you how they prayed. And these 18 times that it's brought up, though I won't be mentioning all 18 of them, but I have categorized them for you in studying all 18 of them. You know what I found? I found that you can put them in five categories. All 18 of these occurrences can be put into five different categories. What are those five categories? Well, when the New Testament church was petitioning, was supplicating in prayer, was requesting things from God, the five categories were these that I found. You could put them in these categories. Specific physical needs or wants. Number two, blessings for believers. Number three, salvation for the lost. Number four, help in the ministry. And number five, it was seen as what makes for a godly life or what makes for a peace-filled life. A few, three different times when it's mentioned praying this way, it's mentioned in this is what makes for a godly life. This is what makes for a peace-filled life from God. So those five categories. And so I want to walk through them with you so that you'll petition God rightly, so that you'll pray rightly. Because don't you want to pray rightly? Because I'm telling you, everybody, no, that's broad, a lot of people, most people on planet Earth, petition some form of higher power, whatever that is in other religions or something they've invented in their own mind. And I guess other religions are inventions of other people's minds, too. 
They're petitioning this God for something. So how are we going to differentiate ourselves from them? Because we're petitioning the one true God. This is how. And so I want to show you this so that you do it right. And so that you know with confidence, I can petition God for this. Because the scriptures show me that I can. And my motive is pure because I'm doing it for the same motive that maybe Paul did it. So let's look at them. Let's look at specific physical needs or wants. Let's start there. Well, I've already mentioned this one. Zechariah praying for a child. In Luke 1, 13. Luke 1, 13. The angel says to Zechariah, don't be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. That's our Greek word there for petition, request, supplication. It's been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call him John. So Zechariah prayed for a child, and God answered. There's people in our congregation who have done that. We prayed for a child after having two miscarriages. We thought we're not going to be able to have children, perhaps. And we prayed for a child. And then one of the angels must have tripped who was holding the blessing bucket and dumped it on us because we have five children now. (laughs) And Pam and Butch prayed for a child for many years. And he's sitting right there. And Jay and Carrie prayed for a child for many years. And He's being held right there. And so it's right to pray this way. Zechariah prayed this way. He petitioned God for a child, and God did it. Now we're going to balance this out later on with other petitions that are made sometimes, and it's not God's will for whatever reason. But many times it is. And in this room, there's examples of that. What other needs or wants can we petition God for, that it's right to petition Him for, that we see people petitioning for in the New Testament? Well, Philippians 1.19, Paul is in jail. And what does he say in Philippians 1.19? For for I know that through your prayers, it's translated prayers there, it's supplications, it's petitions, Through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. So the believers were petitioning God for Paul's deliverance from jail. It's right to pray that. It's okay to pray that way. Lord, get me out of this bad situation. He prayed that way. Now, of course, it needs to be for the right reasons. And, of course, we're going to see later on that it was for the right reasons. Also, 1 Timothy 5, 5, widows praying for their daily needs. Again, this is physical needs or wants. And in 1 Timothy 5, 5, um, the context says this, though. We're going to get to 5, 5, but the verse before this. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and make uh, some return to their parents, for this is pleasing in the sight of God. He's basically saying, hey, if you've got a widow in your family, the family should be helping care for her. That's how they show their godliness. But then he says in verse 5, she who is truly a widow left all alone. What about the one who has no one? He then says this, left all alone, has set her hope on God and continues in, there's our word, supplications and prayers night and day. So what's she doing? She's asking God just for her daily needs. 
food, water, clothing, a little bit of money. It's okay to pray that too. These widows prayed that, petitioned God for these things. So there's other examples as well. As well um, we don't have uh, on the screen for this, but li- listen to this. Notice how I said needs or wants. We even see the Lord Jesus asking for something he wants. Hebrews 5, 7, In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications. That's our Greek word, petitions, requests. With loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverence. Now this is clearly a reference to when Jesus was asking the Father to remove the cup of wrath from him. I think that's very obvious. So petitions also come in the form of simple requests that God change something in my life if it's his will. Because even Jesus said that. Father, if it be thy will. So it's okay to go to God with your requests and wants, but also know that it needs to be followed up with the caveat, especially if you're not sure if this is his will. You don't have to follow that up when it comes to, Lord, please meet my needs of food and clothing and water. That's clearly his will. But when it comes to something that you're not sure about, we have to pray as Jesus did, if this is your will. And then be okay if he doesn't answer that way. That's huge. That's so huge. There's this very famous soccer player, a female soccer player. She's the one who dyes her hair pink, the female soccer player. Yeah. Well, she recently said, you know, I was praying for healing and it didn't come, so that's why I know there's no God. You see that? I sent prayers up to some deity that I thought might be there. She pulled a George Bailey, if you're up there. But... A clearance wasn't sent to her. And so then she said, and that's how I know there's no God. So see, she was not okay with what she got. She said, I want it this way or else you're not real. I want it this way or else I'm mad at you even though I know you don't exist. See, that's what atheists usually do. They say, there's, I know there's no God and I hate him. They do both. They do both. They hate God and they don't believe in him. Just talk to one one time and scratch beneath that makeup a little bit that they're putting on, that bravado that they've got, and you'll see they actually hate God. And so our petitions have to be with the caveat of if it's your will, and then we have to be okay with that because we trust God. We have to learn that. Jesus prayed that way. What about the second category? The first one was praying for physical needs and wants. It's okay to petition God for those things, as we see in the New Testament. What about blessings for believers? That's also something that they prayed for in the New Testament. They prayed for God to bless other believers, like in 2 Corinthians 9, 13. So, there were those in this church that were blessed through the generosity of others, okay? There were those in this church that were blessed through the generosity of other fellow Christians, And then in in turn, they wanted to offer prayers to God on their behalf. That's why it says, while they, these were the ones who benefited from the gifts, 
long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. This pray for you, that's our Greek word, petition. They petition God for you. So these are prayers for God to bless these individuals for their kindness. They're saying, God, please bless these people that blessed us with their financial gifts. Bless them, Lord. Be good to them. That's what they prayed. In our text that I read at the beginning, Ephesians 6, um, in Ephesians 6, verse 18, we actually get this word supplication, our Greek word supplication. We get it two times. So in Ephesians 6, 18, and uh, a bit of context too we're going to look at in a second, but he says, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. That's what Christians do. This is part of the finale of the armor of God, by the way. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. So notice there's a concern for all the saints. Saints are believers. Saints are those who are sanctified by Jesus Christ. So that's the extra commentary we get as to where these supplications are to be focused. Petitioning on behalf of other Christians for their good. Now there's more to this that we're going to look at in just a second because this section also enters into another category of two. It's kind of like two bubbles that, that touch and then become one. You've seen that happen before. We get a double, a double dip, which we're going to look at in just a moment, but praying for the good of other believers. Also later on in Philippians 1.4, Paul was, was blessed by certain Christians and he prays that God will bless them. And then in 2 Timothy 1.3, Paul prays for them often, he says. I petition God for you often. I make requests for you often, he says, that God will bless them. Now, this is good for us, too, because most of our petitions are about me. Lord, bless my dad. Lord, bless me today. Bless my children. Me, me, my. Yeah, I get it. They're your dad and your children. Those are other people, but you still have direct benefits if, if they're blessed, don't you? Just like with your spouse. If your spouse is doing good, you're doing good. If your spouse is doing bad, you're doing bad. It affects you. So, when we pray this way for other believers that God will bless them, maybe even ones we've never met, like these ones that sent money to the church at Corinth, they may have never even met these people. They gave to Paul. Paul brought the money to the church. may have never met them. So it's good for us to also pray for other believers, maybe even those we've never met. Like the gentleman that we prayed for recently who was shot. Remember Hans in Arizona? Never met him. But guess what? I love him because he's my brother. And he was hurt. I may never meet him on this side of heaven. But I care about him. And I pray for him. Pray for him for praying for the good of other believers. This is good for us. Because it gets us out of our self bubble. Because this culture tells you to focus on yourself, makes you want to focus on yourself. Your own sinful nature focuses on yourself. So this is good to get you out of that bubble. Third category, salvation for the lost. This is especially good for us because we don't even care about this until we're born again. I remember when I finally got saved at the age of 19, I turned off all my friends. You know why? Because all I wanted to talk about was Jesus. And all I cared about was that they be saved who didn't even think they were lost. Boy, I turned them off because I was just pushy. But it was because I felt the need so badly that they'd be saved. I wanted them to be saved because I loved them. And so it's right to pray for the lost. 
Paul mentions in Romans 10.1. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer, that's the word for petition, supplication, to God for them is that they may be saved. He's talking about his fellow Jews. He's praying for the Jews that they be saved. He wants that. Paul wants the Jews saved. He wants his fellow Jews that are not in the faith to be saved. Also, in 1 Timothy 2, 1, because of what Paul says in the same context, we know this is for salvation. In 1 Timothy 2, 1, he says this, um, First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. Now, if that's all we had, we'd be a little bit confused as to what he wants, but he keeps going. Look at verse 2. For kings and all who are in high places, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good. He says praying this way is good. This is good. And it is pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. So because of verse 4, it appears that these supplications are for the salvation of the lost. When he says, pray for all people, pray for these kings so that we may live quiet and peaceful lives in God and godly in Christ Jesus, pray that they'll be saved. Pray for the salvation of the lost. And he says, this is good. This pleases God. You know why it pleases God? Because it shows that you're not just concerned about number one. It shows that you care about others, that they be saved. You're concerned for the lost. And this is a good sign of salvation. Charles Spurgeon said this once. He said, have you no desire for others to be saved? Then you are not saved yourself. Be sure of that. Unquote. Charles Spurgeon if you have no desires for others to be saved, then you are not saved yourself. Be sure of that. Wow. Charles Burden. The fourth category, help in the ministry. We request, we make petition for there to be help from God for the ministry to prosper and to go on. In 2 Corinthians 1.11, we find our Greek word there. And we find that these petitions are helpful and needful for completing the work. 2 Corinthians 1, 11, Paul tells about how God helped them and he delivered them out of peril. And he then follows that up by saying this, you also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. That's the supplications, the petitions of many. That's our word again. The reason why I keep pointing out that's our word is because this is specifically this type of praying. Not just prayer, but, but petitions, requests. So these are prayers to God that he'll bless those individuals, that he will bless them and that they'll be helped in what's needful for completing the work of God. So when you pray, asking God to help people do their work, when you pray for missionaries, when you pray for pastors, when you pray for any ministry that maybe you even hear about on the radio, when you pray for Alistair Begg, this is good and right. This pleases the Lord. We see the Christians from of old praying this way. It's good and right to pray this way as well. And in Ephesians 6.18, I told you that we would come back to this. Paul mentions in verse 19 that supplications be made for him 
that he might better proclaim the gospel. That's the text I read whenever we open the sermon. Um, he says, uh, pray also for me that I might open my mouth and proclaim the word, the word boldly as I ought. Pray for me, he says, that I might speak as I ought. In verse 19, also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the ministry of the gospel. Have you ever, church, look at me. Have you ever wanted more boldness? Have you ever felt that you're a bit more cowardly than you should be? Have you ever been gripped by fear? When you see God's laid a ministry, a witnessing opportunity right in front of your face, I mean, he lobbed it to you like a softball. All you've got to do is swing and you'll knock it out of the park. And fear totally grips you. And the catcher behind you catches the softball and you get a strike. And maybe it's even three strikes and you feel like you're out. Paul's felt that way too. Paul says, pray for me that I might be given words and open my mouth boldly. Paul also struggled with boldness. You think, excuse me, Paul? The man who turned around to the woman who was demon-possessed, saying, these are the men of God. These, these are the men that have come to proclaim the work of God to us. And he turns around and he points at her and he says, be quiet and come out of her. And the demon comes out of this demon-possessed woman. Yeah, that Paul, who was so bold at times, still struggled with being bold. You're not alone. Be encouraged. God, what I found is, when you pray for opportunities for God to give you another chance in an area that you failed, he'll do it. Because he wants you to pass the test. He wants you to grow up in Christ's likeness. Doesn't that encourage you? It should encourage you. Because I've dropped the ball too. God's just given me softballs before. Somebody talked about Jesus, and all I had to do was talk more about Jesus and keep the conversation going on and share the gospel and maybe invite that person to church, and I clammed up. And so I prayed, Lord, give me another opportunity to do that. I failed, and I didn't like that, that I failed, and I know that I failed. Please help me do that rightly, and he gives me another opportunity because he wants us to be made into the image of his dear son. So Paul prayed that way as well. Paul asked for prayers to be bold. Lastly, fifth category, what makes for a godly and peace-filled life? So around the birth of Jesus, we get commentary about this old widow named Anna in the temple. Remember her, Anna? This is actually the first time this word for petition or supplication or request comes up in the New Testament at all. It's from this prophetess named Anna. And it's in Luke 1.13. No, 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 I'm sorry. Second time it comes up in the New Testament at all. Luke 2.37, forgive me. Luke 2.37. Um, her prayers of petition were coupled with her worship and her fasting. And it's mentioned as like a part of what makes a worshipful and godly lifestyle for her. Because look at this. She did not depart from the temple worshiping with fasting and, it says prayer, night and day. But that's not just the word for prayer in general. That's our word for supplications, petitions, requests. And it would be biblical petitions, biblical requests, biblical ones, like we've seen. 
She did not depart from the temple worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And as you know, the context here is that she's godly. It, it elevates her and says, this is, this is why she's amazing. Listen, this is what she did. She worshiped with fasting and petitions night and day. So it's shown to us, it's put on a platter for us saying, look, this is the recipe for someone who's godly. This is the recipe for someone who has an upright, godly lifestyle. Also, we get it again in Philippians 4, 6. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, and this is one that you know. Really, if we look at the context here, it's going to be verses 4 through 7, but it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord's at hand. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. It's translated that way this time. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And what's going to happen, Paul, if I do that? Tell me, verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So Paul shows us that this Part of the equation that deposits peace, this undescribable peace, this peace that the world can't understand, into our hearts, this peace from God, supplications are a part of what makes this happen. For example, those of you who are into math, look at this as a math equation. Basically, Paul says this, rejoicing plus reasonableness minus anxiety because he says, don't be anxious, plus prayer, plus supplication, and, and plus thanksgiving equals peace of God that passes all understanding. That's the equation. If you have rejoicing, reasonableness, but take away anxiety, but add a few more things, prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving, you're going to have peace from God that passes all understanding. No one will get it. Why? You can be so at peace. It's part of what makes for it's part of what makes for a godly, peace-filled lifestyle. Praying this way, the Bible says that. Supplications are what make for a godly, peace-filled lifestyle. So that's the motivation to pray this way, right? To pray biblically, to pray in these five categories, if we can see them again, if you don't mind. Praying for physical needs or wants. Blessings for believers, salvation for the lost, help in ministry, what makes for a godly and peace-filled life. And there's others that I didn't mention. I didn't mention all 18, by the way. Like, for example, on the physical needs and wants. James 5, 16 mentions praying for physical healing. That's one that we see in the New Testament as well. Deliverance from suffering and persecution. That's a physical need and want also that comes up as a petition, a request. A supplication in 1 Peter 3.12. But all these are ways that we can pray and do this rightly. And I want to end by saying this. You know, don't you? You know that 
you actually don't deserve any of these answers, these requests from God. Do you know that's why we pray in Jesus' name? Whenever you tack in Jesus' name on the end of your prayers, please don't do it nonchalantly. Please don't do it just cavalier. In Jesus' name, amen. Just throw it on the end. In Jesus' name, amen. Like that. Because it's, it's, it's so special. You need to understand that when you pray in Jesus' name, what that means is, Lord, I'm coming to you on behalf of another through the merits of another. I don't deserve to be in your presence. See, that's the thing, guys. Jesus deserves answers to prayer, and you don't. You don't deserve any of these petitions. You need to get that, and you won't get mad when you don't get them, like the female soccer player with pink hair, because you'll understand, I don't even deserve to be in his presence. So anything he gives me is because of Jesus. That's why we pray in Jesus' name. He's the great high priest who went into the holy place, not with the blood of bulls and goats, but with his own blood. He's the high priest. He's the sacrifice. He's everything. He's the one who gets you into the presence, and he's the one who gets you the answers. So know this. Your petitions all must be, finally, in Jesus' name because that's the only way you're going to get them, period. Amen? Lord, we thank you for Jesus Christ who taught us to pray, and we even see petitions in the Lord's Prayer. We pray, Lord, that you would please help us to petition you rightly and petition you humbly and petition you biblically. And Lord, I pray that she would help us to be better prayers on account of the examples that we see from the New Testament as people were making supplication, requests, petitions. Lord, help our supplications to be right and real and biblical. Not like those in the world, not like non-believers, not like those of other religions. Because we come to you in Jesus' name, knowing that he deserves answers and we don't. Knowing that he trusted you and ended his by saying, if it be thy will. So help us to come to you that way also, Lord. We love you. Help us to pray rightly. Help us to pray, period. In Jesus' name, amen.